Hey everybody, this is Rich from the Metal Cell Podcast. I'm delighted to welcome Alex and Junior of Lockhorns to the show. How are you, lads? Yes, very well. And thanks for joining me. It's about time you were on the show, lads. <laughs> Not overdue. I was in the siege, Alex, and I don't know what band I was watching. This big, long shadow came over me, you know, blocking the light and stuff. And I was like, what the mm. fuck is that? I'm sure it was Junior standing behind me. Howling <laughs> <laughs> over everyone. Man. What height are you, man? I'd say around 6'4". Yeah, 6'3", 6'4"? No, no, 6'6". Fuck me, okay. <laughs> That's so phenomenal there. <laughs> what were we watching? Can you remember Junior, no? I was sober, and I don't even remember. Yeah, um, I don't know what drew us into him. Um, it, it was one of the... I don't know if the band had started. I think they were setting up. I think oh. maybe there was a band... Do you know what it was? I know what it was. Was it horrendous? Maybe we're sitting up. Mm. I, can't remember. I, thought, I thought it was there was a, a gap between because a couple of bands pulled out because of COVID. Mm. Yeah, yeah, there was, was actually. There was, yeah. I'm nearly sure it might have been horrendous or just starting to set up. Anyway, it doesn't matter. I got into a conversation with you, man. I was asking about your band and stuff. And mm. you were telling me, from what I can remember now, did you go, was it seven string? Or something, or what did you do? You changed something anyway, and it was well. That that was part of it, yeah. So the guitar you would have seen at Siege is an eight string now. Oh, so, eight string. Okay. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> I was tempted for the nine, but sort of sat back on it. Um, yeah, it was just uh, during lockdown, writing on the six string, and you know, going back to some of the older material. It had been years since we started writing that to when it came out, twenty eighteen. Yeah. And the band sort of, you know folks like Alex and whatever, they were sort of in the, the corn and death tones and that sort of sound. And they were mm-hmm. pretty heavy, obviously, with Reese being on the six string, but it would have been nice to have had, been able to go that little bit lower. Yeah. Just when you're with these bands that are in their downtuning, drop B, drop A, it's like, it would be nice to sort of be among that, you know, and have the possibility to drop below for these like more gently breakdowns. Mm-hmm. But it's tuned, it's tuned in the same way. So this first six strings, or just as normal. And then okay. I have a copy. Like I have my seventh string is an octave lower than my fifth string. Okay. And my eighth string is an octave lower than my sixth string. So we were tuned in uh, drop C sharp with a sixth string. Right. Whereas we're still in C sharp, but I've got an octave yeah. below now to play with, which will okay. just make the sound bigger, heavier. Yeah. You know? And was Reese fucking around with um, the bass? Did he, uh, I mean, did, you sw- did he switch? Yeah. No, he's still in the six strings. So oh, he always it? had that six string. Okay. So there was a lot of low end that was coming from Reese. Okay. Whereas now I can now I can sort of dip my toe in and match him for certain breakdowns or whatever or mm. moments that we just need to, you know, thunder down under. Yeah. And Alex, do you play any instrument? Um yeah, I play a bit of guitar, man, but I do I do like acoustic stuff, you know, so I I wouldn't yeah. be able to keep up with the boys with, with any of the, no. the riff or anything. Yeah. It's a it's a different world, isn't it? Yeah, I can do that. I play in a three-chord acoustic song. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that as well, man, once you can uh, get your ideas across. Well, see, Alex yeah. will sometimes go, like, I want it, like, Ugh, or whatever. <laughs> I'll, sort of, I'll, I'll be able to translate that from, <laughs> like, automatopoeia into, like, a physical riff. Yeah. <laughs> And what did you think of the Siege, lads? That was your second time playing it, am I correct? So that was our third time. Was it your third? Jesus, yeah. okay. Very good. So we did it in 2017, 2019, and then John hit us up again for this year. Yeah, excellent stuff. Even and though there's with material and stuff, we didn't necessarily have it there, but we're not going to turn down a gig like that because it's no, one of the best going. You can't, no. Yeah. And what did you think? That's one of the best, that's what sounds, one of the best gigs going on now each time now we've actually we've played all three stages which is nice you know we've done the, the whole circuit and come back around but it's every time we go down there's always in front of a new crowd there's new faces there yeah that's what I mean yeah it's, yeah it's unfortunately this time we had a, a few of the Reese whatever had commitments the next day so we had to blast back up the road so weren't able to catch so we stayed there about nine ten, but making it back up north at, you know four and a half hour drive it was like you know we're just uh, delaying the inevitable we leave yeah. at 10 we're back at 2 we leave at 11 we're back at so we missed Conjure but it was just that there was a moment where we were sitting upstairs in the sort of terrace area Okay. just sort of like even though I was dead sober even when I was chatting to you you know you're mm. saying you had like six pints there was just that like vibe you know you're just like yeah. 
my time in the party or yeah. this is such, you know, you're just buzzing to either get onto the or you're buzzing because you've just been off and yeah. seeing the other bands loading in. It's just this like, you know, mm. machine of people moving gear upstairs, drummers finishing sound checks and it's just it's nice fun. to hear after COVID, you know? Yeah, it was fantastic. It was a huge lift after COVID. You're spot on. Alex, what were your impressions of the crowd on the night? Yeah, I think we I think we started a little bit early, you know, so people were still filing in when we started, but once we got everyone in, you know, it was it was a good show. It always is, you know. So I sometimes struggle to hear when I'm up on stage. All I can hear is I'm always in front of the drum kit, so I'm just <laughs> by the time I finish, my ears are ringing. All I can hear is cymbals, you know. So like, yeah. You just get up and have fun, man, and make a load of noise and, and try to give people what they want, you know. Yeah, and you had a few lads up the front as well that were familiar to you, Wayne and the lads. Yeah, yeah, it's always good to see them too. I appreciate them coming down. Yeah. Um, I, that was their first siege, I'm nearly sure. Oh, yeah? Did you mean Wayne and stuff? Yeah. First siege? Oh, really? Well, I think it was, as far as I know. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. And were you following... The Metal to the Masses finals in Belfast, Haint won it. Yeah, they took it, yeah. Not, not as familiar, because obviously we had taken that break. So a lot of these bands, there was a, band, a few bands there that we were expecting to be in Metal to the Masses. Obviously, Eldridge took it a wee while back. Um, yeah. uh, but bands like Kidos and stuff like that there, we were expecting to see those guys back. But it's just, it seems like it's a new... A sort of new wave these bands that have formed in COVID or whatever so there's yes. a few that I was familiar with and a few that wasn't you know yeah that's what I, I was asking me because I mean you've got like the likes of survivalists and archives now coming through as well and the scene is definitely a lot stronger um, I was just wondering since you've been doing it since when we've been going 16 yeah, 16. So 2018, was was that the Metal to the Masters then for you? Uh, for us, it was 2019. Oh, 2019. Okay. Yeah. It's great seeing all these bands coming through. And I think it's an important aspect of the Northern Ireland metal scene is the Metal to the Masters. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, you know, that's sort of where we got our, our feet below us, you know. Yeah. Um, we were about- ready for the, for the show, you know. It took, that's sort of like, you know, I don't know what you want to call it, like, you need to sort of do that. <laughs> I feel like mm-hmm. to sort of realize where you're at, you know, mm-hmm. amongst these other bands. Obviously, where we're talking Oracle and um, Shrouded and those folks, you know, just from our experience, you know, these bands that have been about a while, it takes yeah. a while to get their feet underneath them to go, okay, this is how it's meant to look. This is how you start a show. This is how you end it. And this is how it's supposed to sound. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, you know, the, the final in Belfast, I think, is, you know, one of the best. And you'll you sort of know okay we're ready, yeah, or, or we're not. And Simon Hall knows what he's what he's doing, you know. So he, I definitely feel he chose us on the right time for yeah. that bloodstock performance. You know, I when looking back, you're like, nah, he made the right decision. You know, mm. we needed to take those losses in order to make sure we had the best possible stage show. For yeah, bloodstock. Yeah, I mean, you look at say someone like Nomadus now, who were the runners up. Yeah. You'd expect them to be nailing it next year and, and winning that final. Yeah, like those guys, Nomadis, they were with us in the 2019 heat as well. Oh, we're Hint around then? Hint? I keep I laughing s- at Hint. They're like, they still haven't released anything yet. Oh, really? I know I say, I was, they're, they're new to me as well, you know, but Nomadis were on the 2019 one, so with them being runners-up, you know, that'll, that'll put a little bit of you know, yeah. fire underneath them. It will. But by the time they come back, they're going to be See, they had problems them. as well with lineups. You know, they couldn't get a drummer for ages. That was a major setback for them. Alex, do you know Freddie, fellow Portuguese? Yeah, that's, yeah, I've spoken to him a few times. Like, I remember he was telling me he was going back to visit his family and everything. And I was like, oh, you're so lucky, man. I haven't been back in, in over a year, you know. Of course, yeah, with restrictions and travel, is it? It's been tough getting back, but I'm hopefully going back in August for... For a good month or so. For people that don't know too much about you, we might as well talk about how you got formed anyway mm-hmm. and bring people up to speed where you are at the moment, if that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. So which one of you wants to take that? Alex, so how did you meet Junior? Yeah, I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll do a bit of talking, man. Junior's still in the spotlight. <laughs> He'll steal the spotlight. That's what gets Irish. Center yeah, stage right. next time. <laughs> <laughs> that was the best <laughs> Um, yeah, we, we all met in tech, like, back in, was it 2013, 2014? Is that right? 
Yeah, late 2014. Yeah, and um, we, we, were, we were playing with um, survivalist singer um, Gavin. He, at the time, he was playing guitar with us, and uh, I no think we were, <laughs> we were called Mountains, I think. That was the, that was the name of the band. And then um, that, that never went anywhere, you know, it sort of fizzled out after a while. And then um, we, we met, we brought in Corey. He was in tech as well. And then eventually uh, I was in tech with Reese as well. And, and he got brought in and that man, the rest is history pretty much. What were you doing in tech? Were you all doing different subjects or? We're all studying music, but we're all in different years. Okay. So um, I didn't meet, I didn't really meet Corey until he was brought into the band, you know? Right. Okay. Reese, Reese was in my class and stuff. And there was another guy called Lee Shaw too, that's still floating about, but I don't know if he's doing music right, right now, you know, and hopefully, hopefully he gets back on it. Was that in Belfast? Was it? Yeah, it was Bangor Tech. Okay. Bangor Tech. Okay. Yeah. So not too far from Belfast. And then, um, yeah, we started working on the songs and actually Lee was working with us. In, in Lockhorns for a while, and then he went off to uni. And then that's when we brought Reese in. Okay. Because Reese was always, Reese was predominantly a drummer at the time. No way. <laughs> yeah. He, he was, he's playing with, I don't know about, I don't know what's going on with Oracle, but I think, I think they're still, they're still going, you know, and he does drums for them. Do you know what? That makes so much sense because your rhythm section is incredible of that, in that band. Yeah, it's tight, you know? right. <laughs> there's, a, there's a little gem of knowledge there, Alex. <laughs> Well, percussion, it's, uh... <laughs> Junior, were you always hoping that you'd be as a four-piece, or did were you open to, to becoming a five-piece, or what was well, your thinking? Well, yeah, that's, that end of 2014, when we were playing with Gavin, there was a drummer. That was me and Gavin on guitar. Right. And that was the plan, like a five-piece sort of mm-hmm. set up, like a, I don't know, like a Lamb of God, you know, two guitar yeah. player, bass, drummer, vocalist up front. But for a long time, we were just jamming in the room, um, we needed a good bassist. Someone knew you leave through somebody else, um, and then it was like, right, who do we get the screen? And all of a sudden, it's just a little like <laughs> this little guy here floating the white bagger, like apparently scream like Randy Blythe, and we're like, right, let's let's, let's get him in. And so we, we were working on a couple of tracks, and um, it sort of fizzled out a wee bit. Just people, you know, people couldn't make rehearsals, and we didn't know where we were taking these. Just as bands do that they're, they're starting up but I was like once I was in I was like right I you know I had Alex and I was like right that's the hardest bit to get for me you know it was a, it's like how do you get the the, the vocals um, and, and, and at that time 2014 me and Corey were in the same class we were studying HND in music okay but, but my my sort of head was I'm sort of into that prog heavy tech metal sugar fear factory like real bad whereas Corey was a Ever since I knew him, he was Megadeth. So I didn't know if he would be the drummer for what I was thinking, you know. And, and then I did a few drum covers with him. And we did a, a few Megadeth drum covers. And I was like, right, he's got the feet. Because that's the thing with metal. Yeah. You're like, I need somebody who has that, those, quick, yeah. those quick feet. So then we had the three together. We had Lee. And then as part of our end of year um, sort of performance, we needed, we needed to do something. And I was like, right, this would be a great time to sort of get all these guys together and, okay. and perform. But because of issues with trying to get guitar players and like just somebody up to the world, you know, you need somebody right in line with how you write. And you know, I'm not really into that metal core. There's a specific sound. Mm. And after it doesn't need to be too flashy. And that's kind of the issue with two guitar players is that one is always like trying to like do the other. Yeah. You know, whereas I just all more with the riffs because, you know, some of Lockhorns is complicated, but some of it, it's just about the riffs, yeah. you know. It's not at my top level of playing. Mm-hmm. I'm sort of playing at forty, playing for the yeah the riff. And for me, it was always a thing of you know, Pantera was the four piece, and the riffs were so good, and they were never yes. complicated. But yeah. they were so like. I'm one of the most so, talented guitarists in the scene, but you're right, yeah. It was more yeah. about the riffs for them. Like the best bits of Pantera for me were the riffs, mm-hmm. and they just yeah. you know, it's not. And Dime by could play well. You know, could play so much more in his riffs. Yeah, but it was he might only been playing three notes or whatever. So that was kind of where I was like, right, I, I think I can get that sound of just the four of us. You know, especially when it's when recently with that slap bass, is that sort of feels like so much of the sound that I don't need this external, you know, thing. Especially with the, the guys loving corn and things like that. Yeah, that was just true. that was the, that was the setup. You know, 
yeah. that's all we needed. A few jam sessions, and um, how was the writing progressing at that stage, lads? That one there, so that was 2000, that was like end of 2015. Mm. Um, and then the tracks we performed at that first show for the HND, that was, they were all the previous songs. And once we got this new setup together, and I was like, right, it's a four piece. It's the name change. Basically, it was a new band. I was basically yeah. starting a, a brand new band. All the old material was scrapped, even though we had sort of, they gave us, you know, the other members said, go ahead, you, you can use that material. I was like, it's not really fair on people coming in because it's so different now. Yeah. You know, everyone's sort of input was different. So it was like, I, I think some of that, uh, even the, on the old, that old, old material, a lot of Alex's vocals were, parts were written by the other guitar player. So it was like, right, I want everyone to have their own input. Yeah. And fresh and it feels like everyone's band rather than like I've joined this band. Yes. As a member. So that, at the end of 2015, kind of a year since we all sort of got together. That was when we sort of came together, right? This is finalized. This is Lockhorns. Okay. What was the goal then? Was it just to, like, how many songs can you remember? We'd say approaching the album, how many songs had you, like, we going to go for an album or an EP? Can you remember, Alex, at the time? I was living the rock star life, man. Yeah, they'd send me the odd <laughs> song and, you know, <laughs> write lyrics to that. And I wasn't really, I think I was, I was, I was involved in the beginning of it, but then I, I was, I had other things going on and I was sort of drifting away from it a little bit, but mostly the process is they write stuff. I'll listen to it. If I have any strong opinions about it, I'll give them, but usually I'm more focused on trying to, you know, find something with substance to write about. Okay. That tends to be the main thing. Like at the time there was all this, you know, um, division about, I think at the time it was Trump and Hillary and all this and that. And, and yeah. but it all pales in comparison to what's going on today. You know, yeah, I got like, that album and I was like, if I knew what was coming, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it would have been so different. And what about the title of the album? More than Mon Yeah. More which it's, um, it's Greek, isn't it? From what I can remember. Yeah. Yeah, it was Greek and it very much it was it was King Xerxes, wasn't it? The or the it was a Persian a Persian army yeah. came over to, to to try and conquer Sparta and, and they were like, you know, surrender and give us your weapons and the answer was Molan Lave, which means come and get them. So okay. it was a very it was a defiant defiant name for a defiant album, I thought. <laughs> mm. Now I don't know who produced it or mixed or mastered it, but let me guess. Wouldn't be Josh by any chance. Absolutely. <laughs> ah, how could I have possibly guessed? Huh? The fucking magician, as I call him. He's got his fingers involved in most bands up there. He's just, he's got that sound, you know, and he knows what we're after. You know, it's, it's, it has to sound, you know, you put on any other band, whether they're major label, and you put up, you, we want to be on that same, yeah. sonically, that same level, you know. Yeah, we don't want that. Oh, you play one track and then our track comes on. You go, oh, this is clearly a local band, or the you know, yeah. or demo. That's the way I remember it being. You know, when it was done on, you know, actually burnt to CD or whatever. Yeah, you know, it was. You could tell that it wasn't there. If you didn't have like the tools at the time, and you got like you bought a local band CD from a, a shop, but then mm-hmm. because Josh has been doing what he's doing, he can do it so fast. It's like you know, you're not going to try and do it yourself. Yeah. That's his, you know, you give it to him, that's all he's going to be focused on. Yeah. And was it just through other bands that he was working with that he came up on your radar, or was there a particular band sound or something? This is going way back. I, I actually forgot about this until you just said that. Before even Mountains, like two started 2013, me and Josh were actually in a band together. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> no. This was it was a band was called Ambience. And there right. was a kid, um, Josh Thornton. No, James James Thornton was on drums. There was another kid, a guy, Chris. So we were in a band called Ambience. And uh, Josh was doing all the mixing out of his like, garage inside of his house, which was like in the winter, you know, you were like putting your hands in hot water in the, in the kitchen. And when you were ready, the track, you're drying them off and going in to play your part as fast <laughs> as you can. So that's, that's how I knew Josh. And Alex, you were there. We did well, one, of the, well, one of the songs for the, a year later. We then went back to Josh. 
traveling yeah. with that mountain. That's right. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Again, where all that? Not too long. Well, yeah, I mean, Jesus. I didn't know you guys were in a band, though. Yeah, I still got that track somewhere. We recorded, and he was drumming for Survivalist there for a bit as well. I think he did, he might have done the drums on the album, and then they got in another drummer and re-recorded everything. Yeah, I think Josh's ones again. You know, if they're doing that, you know, the, there's a band, they've got material, and they're waiting for another member. I think Josh is the guy that can just step in and play whatever you need him to. Yeah, on the, you know, the album. Maybe that might have been the case. You know, mm. just one of those guys. You need bass. I can play bass. You need yeah. vocals. I'll, I'll scream on it. Yeah. He was screaming for another band. I don't know whether it was Dream Awake or something like that. Right, yeah, because I was saying to Freddie and Nomadus, if you're still short the drummer, why not let, let Josh do it for you and you, at least then you'll get the release that bit closer to being completed while while you're still looking. And it, it seems to be a problem everywhere is just a lack of drummers. I was laughing there, Junior, when you were saying you were finding it hard to find vocalists, but nowadays it's drummers. We struck gold with Corey. <laughs> yeah. Are you playing with Storm Zone, Junior, or have you left them or what's going on there? Yeah, no, I was with Storms on 2015 to 2018. Okay. What was that experience like for you? That, that, was, that was fantastic. That was sort of this, that's just about a couple of months after I sort of formed Lockhorns. I got invited to do a couple of uh, Spanish shows with them. Right. So it was, that was kind of, that's why we sort of came out with like the video and things like that. I sort of knew like, okay, they had been obviously out for a long time. Yeah. So it was a bit of experience going, okay. This is what the gear needs to sound like. This is what we need to look like. This is how, what we do. And just a little, uh, like the finesse of the set. Like, mm-hmm. as we do always do with Alex, we talk about like the gaps in the songs and what we should do in the gaps between songs. You know, yeah. how we should end the set and sh- should end with like this. And people get adjusted to hearing a certain song at the end, you know? Yeah. It's sort of like we can't really not play when to go. No. It's yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you, you know, once, and just, right? <laughs> I, once people almost burnt us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you learned all that stagecraft from Storm Zone. It was just more like, oh, all right, here's the gear. You know, mm. the guitar has to sound like this, and oh, right, this is how how you you know you put tape on the top of your guitar. I don't know what you can see on that blue guitar, but like you put tape at the all these little tips and tricks that take years as a band to sort of figure out. I was sort of getting the ins and out with Davy Bates, obviously drumming with Stormzone at the time, you know, drummer extraordinaire for Sweet Savage. And, Class. you know, obviously, you know, Lars sort of saw him play drums with Sweet Savage and this was like how he started. And also work, just working alongside Davy and sort of going, right, this, the drummer needs to do this. He cues this. The drummer's in charge. He's the machine, mm. you know. Mm. and go okay this is how we piece a set together this is how we should write or whatever and how we prep for a show yeah and were you ever worried Alex that Junior was going to give up Lockhorns for Storm Zone no I obviously the music is the the style of music is very different you know and I I always knew that he preferred the the heavier (laughs) stuff you know (laughs) I don't want to be cheeky or anything but you know I, I always was confident that that's what he you know that, that was his project and that's what he wants to do you know it's our project and, and no, no matter what i don't think we're gonna give it up for any reason like we like we've been a solid lineup for for years now i don't think that's gonna change it's true man i mean there's not many bands that don't have that situation you know like you have that the all are the original members still yeah, we're pretty lucky. Like, and we only released one album, but hopefully, we're we're gonna change that soon. But just to follow up, now that's kind of you know with the with the material, everyone sort of gets their input. You know, Corey at the moment's working on some stuff for the new, you know, and that's his baby. You know, I'm not sort of no one's dictating. This is what your drum parts are gonna be or mm. whatever. You know, same with Alex. Alex will just do his thing, and you know, unless it's very like, oh, all right, maybe we should change that. Everyone sort of has their yeah, I mean, you gotta that, you let me sing a bit more like <laughs> what is it, sorry? You gotta let me sing a bit more, man. There's no singing art. <laughs> <laughs> and let's talk a bit uh, in relation to new material. Can you give us much info at the moment? Tell me, Alex, isn't yeah, you go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just as Alex was saying, you know, you know, Alex likes to hear the the final product. He likes to hear the drums on it, the guitar or whatever, but 
there's new material coming. We're sort of working on the last track of eight. That's what I was just we were just chatting about before. Um, and that's where the eight string sort of came in. So first album, Moon on Lavi, came out in 2018. Immediately, sort of like six months after that, we started um, writing new material. 2019, we had a couple of songs together on the six string. And when I was like, right, we got to blast this like quicker, just get the content out. Mm-hmm. Then the pandemic hit. Of course, and so yeah. we, were, we were about four songs in, but we were busy with like Bloodstock and local shows. And we obviously Urban, Urban Assault, which we were down at as well. Just that, just that, it was that about five weeks before it all kicked off. Yeah. Lockdown. Um, so then we were about four songs in March 2020. And then we were, me and Reese, the bass player, we were trying to do some stuff on FaceTime, like riffs and sending audio files back. And basically what I was doing was collecting like words. These riffs were just words in folders, like 120 BPM. Here's a whole bunch of riffs, 150 BPM. So it wasn't necessarily putting songs together. I just had a collection of riffs that, you know, because I didn't want to, I don't like the idea of just putting together a full track and then just, there, you know, Reese doesn't have his input on it. Because yes, some of the yeah. best, my favorite moments on the first album are all Reese's riffs. Yeah, <laughs> so it's like, that's mad, and, and when we're together, it's like we can bounce stuff off each other real quick. And that lockdown yeah. just sort of, you know, it's not ideal doing it over Zoom when it's this like proggy and sort of technical. It's not, you know, it's not a case of sending it across and they'd be like, what's, what's the time signature in this? You know, it's like. How weird did you get with it, Junior? Of the, the, the material? Yeah. Well, on, on one of these new tracks, called well the demo name at the moment is called sheeple right and it's in 15 8 and it's a, it's a it's a pattern that goes a pattern of three a pattern of two pattern of one pattern of one pattern of two and a pattern of three right and it just repeats that pattern for the entire song it's it's chaos <laughs> and obviously Corey's doing crazy stuff on the drums but even just that is that is an idea um but that actually that idea of the 15 8 the three, two, one came from uh, Corey putting something up in a group chat about this divine proportion, and everything is three, twos, and ones, and ones, two, and threes. And then from that, there, I was like, right, I'm gonna write an entire track with that three, two, one, one, two, three. So I've kind of taken it, you know, we've been a bit chaotic, basically. Yeah. <laughs> We're off the rails. Mama's grimacing at Alex how you're going to tackle that one, man. I <laughs> know they just do these things on purpose and mess with me, man. <laughs> Oh but, god! But like with the the first album, even though it'd be melty, it'll there still be that like rhythm in there. there. Yeah, always. Oh, it has to be, man. That's your sound, you know. Mm-hmm. And are you going to work with Josh for the next one? Can you reveal that, or or were you in relation? To, did you say seven completed? Is it? Set, yeah, there's seven. But yeah, seven written. The eighth one as well. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, just to, to go back real quick, we actually um. During lockdown, that was with the with the, the songs that we had. We, we scrapped them completely. Yeah. So technically from... I think you said that to me. I'm not really yeah. sure you said that to me in the siege, yeah. So May, May of last year, when I got the eight string, sort of started to basically started track one again. Yeah. And, you know, um, just before the eight string arrived, we went in with Josh to record a single, which we'll, we'll, we'll release ahead of... The, the album but that okay. was like a preliminary like right how fast can we write can we put together an entire track in six weeks you know okay. <laughs> you know an awkward track of like <laughs> rhythms and all kind of just kind of be done with guitar done in a week drums bass Alex and the vocals and then right because I wanted to have this album out but in terms of who's going to record it I mean we're, we don't we don't know yet obviously okay. we've got a bit of money from James uh, through the project with James Love Day, so there's gonna there's a bit of funding behind the next release. Now that's great to hear. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, there was a for the DP records. So for like I can't remember exactly the, the details of it, but the the recording is all looked after, so we don't have to pay anything towards that. The printing, publishing, there's money towards promotion this time. Okay. Um, but I don't know. It just depends on 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 the sound. There's mm. a particular sound. I wouldn't mind. Obviously, we've went with Josh, but in order maybe to stand out, we might need to take take it elsewhere. Yeah. As you say, you're like, oh, we recorded, we recorded Mulan Levy. Let me have a guess. <laughs> it might be nice to have something that's, you know, not that obviously Josh does a fantastic job, but 
it might be a case of yeah. you know seeing a band that we like mm-hmm. and like that's the sound I we really after if it's like say it's, I don't know yeah. it's Corn or Fit for an Autopsy or something like that <laughs> yeah oh going, yeah Fit for or, Autopsy Jesus or, yeah Fit for an Autopsy and going who mixes their stuff how mm-hmm. much does how much does he charge well let's just that's the sound we're after let's yeah. go down there you know yeah I mean <clears throat> the lads and uh, Baylor went with what's his name from was it Germano or the Conan I'm just trying to think and Fold Studios can't remember but yeah there's there's an argument to be made to look around yeah especially when we've got the, the funding you know mm. and are you still with Enzo Music Management no we ended with those guys in two, September 2019 so we were there for a year with them okay um, absolutely for the time that we were there you know we got a couple of dates we did a few um, dates over in England things like that there but at the time it just didn't seem financially the best move you okay know? And, and are you managing yourselves at the moment? What way are you kind of approaching even the likes of tours and stuff? Are you trying to set them up yourselves? Yeah, that'll be that'll be the plan. You know, once this material's out, um, we'll be constantly, you know, with, obviously with, again with the funding, it'll be putting out a huge amount of money. That was kind of the downfall of the last album. Um, you know, we spent the money, made the album, we go, right, we spent this much. We can't spend that much on promotion. Whereas now, haven't done that, we go, oh, we really should have spent twice the amount on promotion as we did on the album. Yeah. So that's that's where this time's gonna come in. And cool. um we've spoke to a few different folks. I'm sure there's there's gonna be lots of interest in the notes. Here's we have this product we have this product. Yeah. Um no one no one knows about it. No, no one's heard it, no one's seen it. Six months. What can we do with this six months? Mm-hmm. How do we you know we need three month layup? For release and a three month tail end of like promotion. That's and that's kind of what we missed last time. Yeah. To, to build the buzz. And then we have obviously the the bonus track that'll come out before that even starts with the buzz. But no, it'll be somebody will look after it promotion wise, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. I mean, I think it's um, the right move. It'd have to kind of maybe look more so at the UK or Europe in relation to certain bands and how they're they're being promoted and what press they're getting. It's interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. You know, because it's this time, no expense spared. The biggest issue as well is is social media in relation to the metal industry. It's a fine line to tread. You know, you really have to push really hard yourself as a band and hope also that whoever's behind you will do the same. How do you feel about that, Alex? Um, yeah, I, I'm usually pretty quiet on social media, you know. I- <laughs> I'm a bit of a ghost, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, I usually leave that up to the rest of the guys, man, you know? I'm not really skilled in those. As the interview is progressing, Junior, I'm kind of seeing common trait with Alex. (laughs) (laughs) See, before shows, you know, just wind them up at the back. Yeah. Yeah. Give me a dose of, of kids, man. You know, I, I like to write funny stories and 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 do a bunch of screaming. You know, that's my job. <laughs> nice and simple, man. You know? Yeah, it's content. You know, it's like constant, constant. But it's it's not like you're doing. You know, we're not setting up a phone and doing silly dances on TikTok. You can just blast. You know, you can't. That's easy to put out a video. Yeah, a week or you might. There's like a it's really funny band, something oils or by. You know, they do like dead oils or something. You know, the, the band? No. They do, like, funny know. little sketches. Okay. As like promotion, you know, for yeah. the, the shows. But it's just it's just content, you know. And, you know, it takes a while. It takes, I don't think people realize how just how long and strenuous a project can take to go from zero to eight tracks, you know. Yeah. We're talking May of last year. We're in May now. And we're just approaching our eighth track. So by the time we get that out, you know, and it's just, it's just one of those things. So if for the time of the album cycle it's just going to be you have to be in everyone's face every day you got to be posting every day people forget people just forget you know and there's so much content out out there as well i mean like you're competing with so many other bands yeah are you going to do videos like i know you did three videos for the last album are you going to do another three again who are you going to work with there's just so much there to think about isn't there Absolutely, absolutely. Well, Jim Jim Crone did all our previous videos. Yeah, actually, he did two that. two of the three. Um, but absolutely, we'll take Jim on again. I think he just he's the best at it. You know, he's like the Josh of filmmaking for music videos for me. Anyways, I think 
his like his input for the Wendigo go was just like unrivaled. Oh, yeah, you know, that was class, like, yeah. Just there was so much location and you know most of all those went went to go shot this like the solo went to go shots were all gym. Me and I, me and Corey were there, but we didn't. We weren't input. We just I just trusted. I was I was sort of spying down the lens of the camera what he was capturing and what he had in mind, and he just took it away. But for the new album, yeah, it'll be again just promotion, and this is what I was saying. So we'll bring somebody on board who has this mind. He's going. All right, guys, we'll need this from Corey. Corey, we need four playthroughs from the album. Alex will need a vocal play. You know, yes. We'll need this right here's on Monday. You're posting the photo. Wednesday, you're posting the video. Friday, we need bass. We need an interview for here. And there's the clip and the clip and blah, blah, blah. We need somebody that's just like on yeah. board. We're paying whatever the monthly fee is. And he's going, right, we need this from you, this from you, this from you. Mm. It's very hard as a band to sort of go, oh, we'll do this. It'll be a fun thing. And then all of a sudden, you know, you know, whatever you know, you're cutting the grass or something. You know, it's like like adult shit sort of gets in the way sometimes of going. Oh, I need to pick up my phone, especially when it's not natural for <laughs> for metalheads to just pick up a phone and start filming themselves. I know. Like, I, I, I think that's a major problem with us in general. The last thing <laughs> on my mind, but yeah. <laughs> so I'm gonna play the title track off the last album and uh, see if it'll stir some memories about uh, recording it. It's uh, Mullen Labe.
tone is fantastic. It's great. <laughs> this is what's coming, lads, and it's going to be new and improved and better, I presume. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> I was trying to think of who did Baylor's album, and it was Lewis Johns. That's who it was. So if you are aware of Baylor, check out the album, uh, Disposable Youth, and, and the sound on that album is incredible. Mike Suchi, he's over in the UK. Absolutely, yeah. But that's um, what we'll be once we start to get into that, you know. We might even send some of them our demo stuff across and see what they can do. And are both of you from a musical or artistic family? Um, yeah, my mother was an art teacher, you know, so she always pushed me to, to follow my dreams too. So I, I, was just, I don't think she liked the music too much, but she's <laughs> <laughs> glad that I'm doing what I, what I enjoy, you know. Class. Okay. And Junior? Yeah, I'm parent, the parents don't play. Neither of them play music, but I, they don't play an instrument, but they do love music. So music is always on the background in the house. Yeah, yeah. not metal, of course. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was Garth Brooks from the mother and um, dad. Oh, dad being from Ghana, so he was always playing Ghanaian music and, you know, Tupac and Biggie and things like that there. So Brilliant. a lot of hip hop and rap and whatever else. But my brother, uh, uh, older brother Jermaine, he was a big, he sort of got into the metal when he went to secondary school. So okay. vicariously, you know, listening to what he was listening to, obviously as a little brother, you're sort of going, this is, you know, kill switch engage at the time and bullet and ah, all. I was like, okay, this is, okay. this is like, and then at the, even on that era as well, we, we all, we shared a bedroom, um, but the CD player was on the wall. So we all, you know, there was no getting away. There was no, I didn't have headphones. I didn't have a device. It was like, if we're, if we're playing GTA San Andreas or Vice City, we're putting on some <laughs> machine heads blackening in the background. Perfect. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah and yeah. we're all just listening to you know. So it was just through that, and I sort of obviously as a, as a chaotic kid resonated with that. Man, that's cool. And is there any type of metal that you don't like? That's a funny question. Like, I guess um, a lot of stuff that I hear now nowadays, like new stuff, it 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 all it almost sounds too polished or something. You know, like I I really I really like for me, I really connect with those early Slipknot, early Corn albums, you know, and like all the imperfections were left in there, you know. Okay. And it was just really dirty and aggressive sounding, but things nowadays that I, I sometimes feel like the soul's been taken out of it a little bit, you know. And what about uh, specific genres of music, Alex? I don't want to be pushing you, but I fucking will though. Specific <laughs> <laughs> genres of metal? I and do I have I to know, name out a few? How about like folk metal? How many folk metal albums? Uh, I don't do know you? anything about folk metal, man. You know? <laughs> I've pretty much got my little pocket of music that I listen to, you know, and it's mostly that early 90s, 2000 kind of mm-hmm. stuff, you know, like new releases. I would listen to Gojira a lot, Meshuggah. I would, I would enjoy their stuff, you know, but the golden age of metal for me was, was the 90s, one of the 2000s. Okay. Interesting. Mine would be probably the eighties. Reflects yeah, my yeah, age. I don't really, I don't, I don't really listen to that much metal nowadays either. To be honest, you know, I've, I've been going down a bit of a a soul train. You know. Oh, cool. Okay, that's, there's nothing wrong with that like either, that. man. Yeah, I like to, I like to branch out of it. You know, I always come back to metal, but like I go through phases of listening to different other stuff. But it always, it always does come back to metal. Mm. You know, the other day. Yeah, Junior, plenty of time to think there. Yeah. <laughs> What are we talking, genres or metal bands that don't like? Is there any type of metal genre that you don't like? Not that I don't like, it's just there's ones that I don't listen to as frequently, you know. I mm. probably would, um, I think, sort of death metal, I wouldn't be towards that, you know. It's not that I don't like it, there's some, you know, there's, there's definitely tracks that are sort of, you know, but even, even in death metal, it would be towards melodic death metal. Okay. I don't know whether that's the Scandinavian necessarily, like Viking, you know. Mm. Where I was a bit, there was there was a period I was big into Monomarf. Yeah, like you know, metal, man. I heard metal. <laughs> well, I don't know. Um, maybe that a little bit. I'm not a huge fan of maybe like the. Me- it's more I suppose sometimes the imagery, people mm. that are sort of like posing as metal, or bands that sort of teetered off from being like fully metal and it went elsewhere you know but yeah. then there was you know that's what sam my he uh, alex was saying there about the 90s you said about the 80s whereas for me my sort of introduction was like iowa okay and i went like like fear factory bullet um 
Meshuggah. They were like all the bands like I was into, you know, so it took, actually I was a bit late to go back for things like Master of Puppets and yeah. and even in 2000, I think it was maybe 2012 or 13, I just I kept I kept talking to folks about metal and everyone was like, oh, you got to listen to this, listen to that. And it was always like the older Mm. But older track, you got to listen to Metallica's discography, and I was like, no, because yeah. <laughs> I like it's not heavy enough, you know. Like it needs yeah. to be like, it's very hard when you hear like "Bleed" by Meshuga as a kid, and then to go back mm. in in time, you know. Yeah, it is, and those albums are established. So I I just find it interesting that when maybe say both of you were getting into Slipknot, were Slipknot still at their best at that stage? So you can vividly remember waiting for the next Slipknot album and just being really excited about it. Absolutely, yeah. I was this was like two thousand two, you know. Mm. I had I got the I had the 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 Iowa hoodie, it was fresh. Um, yeah. you know, it was just scuzz. You just waiting on scuzz going, right, you no, know, it normally comes on like every forty minutes, you know, before I forget or yeah, <laughs> or whatever it was. It was like is you're just gonna wait by crying you're like switching from crying the scuzz, crying the scuzz. Yeah. You know, and That's I was right. so young. I, I was so young that mm. I don't even know if I could, I wasn't even able to buy the CD because yeah. of the explicit. I went you know? to Sonosphere maybe in 2012 or 2011 and Slipknot were headlining the second night. I could be wrong, but the first night then was the big four. I'll never oh, yeah. forget the crowds for Slipknot. It was insane yeah. um, witnessing them. And I was thinking, yeah, okay, they're pretty cool. But uh <laughs> after witnessing that performance that like at no stage were all the members on the stage they were literally fucking double flipping into the crowd and climbing back out and it was just mayhem like so they're a fantastic live band do any of you uh, suffer from uh, anxiety before you go on stage uh, no i think we've been doing it for so long now you know like junior and i both we we we're playing in cover bands as well around belfast you know Oh, okay. Cool. I yeah, didn't know that. That's how we make a big part of our living. So we're we're always on stage, you know, every weekend, two, three, four, five times a week, you know. Mm. Uh, and are they is it all types of material that you're in the cover bands or is it kind of mainly rock or it's just whatever like I mean personally I, I sort of I have to play stuff that I enjoy, you know. I can't just play the chart music or else I'll die on stage, man. You know, there has to be a happy medium, you know. So <laughs> Just, just easy listening to stuff that people know, stuff that people like, you know, upbeat stuff. Mm. You know, it depends where you're playing as well. Sometimes, so like hotels you could be, or you, you could be playing, say, something like Creedence Clearwater Revival or The Doors or something like that. Yeah, 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 that kind of thing. Or a bit of Amy Winehouse, you know. Um, okay. And then that's us during the day, and then the next day we're we're doing Seeds or something, you know. <laughs> yeah, literally. And what about unexpected situations on stage? Any mad stuff happened to you that, you know, needn't necessarily have been with lock horns or something like that, but just any, any crazy people accost you on the stage or any mad stuff that you've seen? Yeah, I, I think I have a story that tops everyone's way. I was up in, in Carrick one time playing with Corey, and this guy kept turning to us all night being like, Oh, I really enjoy your covers, you know? And every song that we played, you'd get more and more excited. I don't know. I think he must've been taking something, but at one point he got up on stage and he took his top off, you know, and that was all fine. You know, he was up on stage with us with his top off, but then he decided he was going to take it further and pull his pants down, you know? <laughs> and at first he was all happy with himself, waving his arms about and stuff. And then, then you see all the all the people in the crowd, all the all the cameras started coming out, you know, oh, and then they yeah. guy, you know, he really pulled the pants up again. Corey was sitting poking him with the drumstick, trying to get him off stage and stuff, you know. <laughs> that's probably the maddest one. That probably tops all of them. Uh. That's pretty embarrassing, all right. And of course, these days as well, everything is caught on phone anyway. So Yeah, I tried to find that video too. I was gonna put it up on the on the our, our page, you know. <laughs> what about you, Junior? No, not well. When you're doing the, in the bar gates, you know you're at the mercy of the, the general public. There's always going to be someone falling into the gear. There's yeah. asking for stuff, holding pints over your gear. Yeah. Um, but no, there's not. There's not been anything. Not as much as someone getting there. <laughs> you know, there are bits out. Nothing like that. Not at the cover gates, but 
that long course. Playing harder, man. I get naked for you. <laughs> the next gig, that's the plan. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, even in, like the anxiety you were saying about anxiety before Lockhorns and stuff. But it's more just about the gear, you know. I mm. think about like I'm always thinking like, oh, you know, if the, if a string snaps, not so much about getting up and the performance of it. Yeah, I'm like, okay, hopefully Corey can hear the guitar. I'm hoping. Alex can hear his vocals. I'm hoping yeah. it sounds. I'm hoping it's they've mixed it like a, the bass is really loud up front and not like a, yeah. you know like a two because it's happened a couple of times where I went on the guitar is so loud because the band before have had two guitar players right and I get on without just a quick line check I play the guitar and it's so loud that it's like I can't hear even the bass whereas mm-hmm. it should sound like corn where the bass is like right up there with the yeah. guitar you know so it's just a bit of anxiety about that making sure I. Mm. Where's the vet? Where is the venue? Where's parking? We're loading in. What kind of guitar cab's going to be there? Is yeah. the kit going to be right for Corey? Even Bloodstock, Corey was playing, and cymbals were flying off the stage. What? Huh. I'm surprised at that. Yeah. Bloodstock, because usually they're uber professional. It's just uh, Corey's an animal, you know. So okay, <laughs> <laughs> just smart. But it was just it was whatever. It's just because it's such a quick setup and the way the cymbals were. Mm. Things were just being, you know. Obviously, obviously, the set was just so massive. Yeah, uh, of course. The stage was rocking, you know? Yeah. So upcoming gigs, um, you're returning to Templemore Festival, which is nice. Yeah, that was a good one. played it last time, right? Absolutely, yeah. That's always, you know, that was actually one of, that's probably one of my favorite gigs we've played. Wow. Yeah, it was a great. It was, just, like, it was just like, a, I don't know, it was like one of those, you know, backyard wrestling sort of video <laughs> vibes. You know, because it was like in a bar, but you're in like a wooden decking area, and there was like nothing between. You're like you're not up above. You're like on on the level with those guys. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I think Alex, you're probably probably out amongst them. Yeah, you know, the the beer was flowing. I could see everybody nice and clearly. You know, it it sounded so good too. Like on stage, it sounded really good. That was that was like we had only maybe been performing eight months of that first show. Okay. And like people were absolutely loving it, you know, because you're sort of at that stage, you're still kind of trying to win people over. Mm-hmm. Um, like you were saying at the siege there, there was, we had a little group in front that knew the material, knew what we were about, and like we're ready for it. Yeah. Whereas when we went to the Temple more that time, we'd never, that was the first show south. So it was like they didn't have, they didn't know what to expect from us. Yeah. We did do a Soundgarden cover though. Remember that? The only cover ever. Yeah. Ah, there's yeah. one for you, man. It's his anniversary today. Shout out to Chris, right? Yeah. yeah, it was. Um, we only had five, six songs, and they wanted us to do a forty-minute set. So, which like, which uh, Soundgarden song did you do? It wasn't Soundgarden. No, it was Audio Slave. Sorry. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, Go hmm. Cheese. I think we we played. You know. Oh, class. Yeah. That's the Lockhorn just... version of it, and it was it, it was because he he. You know, you had died not long before that. So we thought, you know, if we're going to do a cover, we might as well do a shout out to Chris Cornell, you know? Yeah, nice. But so it was that audio stage was a four piece setup, too, you know? And yeah. we said, in general, do you do practice covers during rehearsals? Well, there's we, still- we've been known to play the odd um, break stuff cover, you know, Limp Bizkit. <laughs> 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 ah, classic, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Not, not, not much. So we, we sort of just get in there and then play, blast the songs out. Really, most of the time. So the Templemore Music Festival is June the fourth. That's actually coming up really fast. Um, I saw you actually down in Urban Assault. That was a really, really good gig as well. That was a busy day. There's a lot of bands back and forth that day. That feels like a lifetime ago. Um, I can't remember. I thought it was pretty chill. I didn't think it was too mad. I actually thought that's that most recent siege was the most. It was probably the tightest turnaround. Yeah. That we've ever done. Um, with twenty minutes between bands, one mm-hmm. band finishing, one band starting. So it was yeah. like ten, 10 minute line check and good to go. You know, we were like we were we were moving quick and it, like we were still kind of like old tuning up. You know. Yeah. We were good to go, but that result felt you know it was really professional. You know, good gear. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think there was a thirty minute changeover, which is more like it, you know. Mm. I just remember um, so much gear over on the right hand side. We say as you were facing the stage. Yeah, that was the first time I saw you. Actually, I didn't see for some reason 
on one of the sieges as well. It might, there might have been a clash. But did you play downstairs on the first siege, the Casbah, was it? The first siege was the, the back bar. I don't know, it's Kabash. Yeah, that's it, the Casbah, yeah. Casbah. Um, we were there the first year in the main stage, the second year. Wow. So okay. it was us, us, Baylor, and then Conjure. And then this year we were upstairs. Right, okay. Jeez, Switching it so is there any... Which, what you say, Alex? I say we've done the tour of the place. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So have you any other uh, gigs coming through that you can say, or is it just Temple More for the moment? At the moment, just temp- Temple More for now. Okay. Just and then focus on the writing, but the plan is obviously that's what we're saying, um, is for the put actual big, big, big shows together, you know? Because mm. um, we played Belfast last December. But it's like we don't want. I don't want to go out and play the, the same material. You get a bit of buzz going, and potentially not the yeah. absolutely love playing Belfast. It's one of the best places to play. But we need to have some, you know, like the couple of shows we did out over England were just outrageous. You know, mm. one to get out and play, but I, actually as a band, just jump on the stem line and go wild for a couple of days. Yeah. You know, and it, it's just just getting it's just like getting in front of those in front of as many people mm. as possible. So not we just and sometimes what we do find is that the, the shows take focus away from the writing. Okay. So if we have a show you no know, June, July, when we're together instead of writing material, we're like rehearsing. Yeah. You know, yeah, Corey yeah. likes to have his um drum parts together for all the old material. Yeah. Exactly. Did you, you know, do takes... a new song at the stage? I think you did, did you? Yeah. Yeah, we had a new track for with two tracks, Frenzy and Slatter, they were called preliminary. So it was just a sort of they were sort of the ones that were in the back burner for the longest. A okay. couple of the first ones we've done. So it was just to see how they felt live, you know. What were your impressions of them? Did you look at the crowd's reaction or were you just lost in the moment? Alex, you probably had a better view of everything. Yeah, I was trying I was trying to make sure not to make any silly mistakes, man. You know, like Slatter was was half jammed you know <laughs> there wasn't exactly any set lyrics for it so i was like i'm just gonna as long as i know the structure of the song i'm gonna get up and groove with it you know yeah uh, people seem to dig it though you know but i think i think they sort of need to hear it a few times you know on headphones and in a, in a controlled environment to, <laughs> to really appreciate it you know but they seem they seem to enjoy it cool Okay, lads, if there's anything else, now's the time to shout out. I think so, no? I think we're all good. But keep an eye on your socials then, really, and get to Templemore Music Festival on June the 4th. See Lockhorns live. Absolutely, yeah. How many songs have decided for a set list for that? There's about eight tracks. Eight tracks, and maybe two new ones live? Two new ones, yeah. There's going to be a few changes to those as well. Okay, excellent stuff. That's kind of what the siege was, road testing some of that material, but... At mo- in a couple of months, we'll start to hear some stuff okay. leading up to this next release. Brilliant. And as I said, lads, you can give me a shout, give me a heads up. If you want to hang promoted on the show, I'd gladly do that. If you want to get down to Cork, contact Evan on Dead Cult Promotions. He should be able to sort you out for a gig for hopefully next year. Or even if, if you think you can get down before Christmas, it'd be, be a welcome addition to see you play live. Absolutely, yeah. I think cool. it'll so you've been listening to Alex and Junior from Lockhorns. Thanks again for coming on the show, lads. Thanks very much, man. Good chat, dude. Thank you. Yeah, and crucially, support your local medicine.